Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? It's your host, Eric Swarzynski. Before we jump into this episode of Preacher Boys, I just want to let you guys know about my brand new show called The Good Story Podcast. Now, The Good Story Podcast is a lot different from this show. Uh, I sit down with creatives. We talk about the creative process and uh, their work inside various creative fields. I just sat down with Steve Berkowitz, who's produced hit shows like Outdaughtered and Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Uh, We talk extensively about the appeal of reality TV and where he thinks that industry is going. So if you're someone who's interested in acting, storytelling, directing, music, marketing, branding, you name it, uh, something in the creative field, you're definitely going to want to check out the show. I've got some great interviews set up already, plenty more to come. So if you appreciate my voice and my perspective on this show, please do me a solid and go check out the new show. Just go to iTunes or Spotify and look up the Good Story Podcast. I know you won't regret it. All right, guys, and now into the episode. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey everybody, you're listening to another episode of the Preacher Boys Podcast. My name is Eric Skorzynski, and of course, I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Amber Johnson. Amber was sent to the New Beginnings Girls Academy in Pace, Florida. She stayed there until she was 19. We talk about the surprising reasons she was sent to this quote-unquote school, uh, what kept her there, and uh, why she stayed even after she legally had the option to leave We talk about her attending Howes Anderson College during the time that Jack Scott was discovered to be having an affair with a teenage girl, and we talk about uh, her life after leaving the Independent Baptist Movement and the journey that she's been on. It's a really good episode. Uh, I really appreciate Amber's transparency uh, on the episode. It really means a lot, and uh, she gives an opportunity for other girls who may have experienced similar situations in homes like this to reach out. Uh, give some information about a Facebook group that you guys can join. And it's just a really, really good episode. It's a very short episode today, but it's packed with a lot of great information, a really surprising look behind the curtain 
at the New Beginnings Girls Academy in Pace, Florida, and the people that ran it there. So it's a great, great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you enjoy the episode, be sure to head over to iTunes to leave a five-star review. Uh, let us know how you like this show. Uh, be sure to shout out if there's a certain episode that was helpful to you, and I look forward to seeing your feedback over there. All right, guys, uh, that's it. Let's get into the episode. All right, Amber, thank you so much for joining me on the Preacher Boys podcast. Can you just tell our audience, I know you just told me a little bit before we start recording, but can you tell our audience a little bit of background about how you were introduced to the IFB movement? Whenever I was 16, I was sent to New Beginnings Girls Academy in Pace, Florida, which was ran by a couple who graduated from Lester Roloff's ministries, and then they took Rebecca Girls Academy and moved them, Bill and Jennifer McNamara. So just for some some context as far as what a girl's home is, I know that some people have listened to the show from the beginning, have heard the interview with the son of the Hepzibah House founder out of Indiana, but essentially it's like a very extreme boarding school. I would say that the only difference is that we were locked in, we're not allowed to even go outside unless Mm. we were walking to the cafeteria. And actually for my first, I think it was like two months, I was not allowed to leave at all. So I was locked into the dorm with two other girls who were like watching me, I guess. They took turns, like they were able to go to school and stuff like that. But at that point I didn't have any of the schooling stuff. So I didn't have schooling to do just super hardcore. But what was it that that you were doing where they felt like, oh, this seems like the, the only logical option for this to be what we do? Like sending, because when you hear these facilities described, I'm always like, what parent would send their kid to a place like this? I was passed around a lot whenever I was like 10, 11, 12, um, because my grandpa had adopted me and raised me. Okay. Uh, and it was just getting hard for him, like to see at night for to drive for school things or whatever. Right. So I got passed around quite a bit. I went to live with a super religious aunt that I had met twice before. And I lived with her for about six months. And before that happened, I had went to live with my biological mother. And there was a lot of abuse in that household. And I started cutting. Skipped school a couple of times. I would sneak out to see my sister who we had the same dad and different moms so my mother didn't like me seeing her uh but I would sneak out to go see her I attempted suicide a couple of times Hmm. uh just from the different abuse I went there from living with my grandpa and me we lived on a garden in a on a farm we had a garden and animals it was super simple no drama whatsoever to being shoved into somewhere like that where there was constant drama and I that was the only way that I knew how I guess or tried how and then it just got to the point where I didn't want to live and they shipped me off to my first aunt who was absolutely amazing then they had to move and they had to downsize, and they had just had another child. So then I got sent to live with an aunt that I had only met like once before. She was super religious. I think that I came back to visit my mother for some reason, and I attempted suicide again. Um, Hmm. It got me put into a hospital, and I actually just talked to my aunt for the first time since she sent me there, like literally a week ago. She said that 
her choices were either like a court-ordered psychiatric rehab or some kind of like boarding school type place. And I guess because she was super religious, one of her friends, well, I had a friend that went to school with me and his mom recommended New Beginnings in Florida. I'm sorry, that was a really long story. No, that's that's perfect. That's a lot of really good context. And I'm sorry, because that's, it's sad to me that the response to what obviously was a serious situation regarding like mental health and depression got treated as a problem that you were kind of responsible for. And to be kind of shipped off to an environment that's kind of intended for troublemakers, so to speak, is right. kind of disappointing. You arrive at this home, now knowing that, it seems kind of crazy that their initial treatment of you at the school was to cut you off from any kind of social interaction, from schooling, from all the things that you need to normally thrive and do well. So what was your experience those first few months trying to get acclimated to this new environment? Whenever I first got there, my aunt met me at the airport and told me that we were going on a vacation. Oh, wow. We, so they completely lied to you about what oh, you were yeah. doing there. We got in late in Florida, spent a, one night at the hotel. Super early the next morning, she woke me up, and she had packed me a bag because I was out of the state. So in this bag, all there were were skirts. Hmm. And I was livid. Because I was never a skirt person. I mean, like I said, I grew up on a farm. We never wore skirts. Because I was a 16-year-old brat, I took the easiest one to tear, tore it super short, um, and put that on. And we drove up, and it's like this gravel driveway. And on the left side, there's a house. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is supposed to be vacation. I realized that they have my door child locked because hmm. I was sitting in the back. My aunt and uncle were both there and there are people coming out of this little trailer and kind of like almost surrounding the car. It wasn't like, that sounds dramatic. There were like three or four people, I think, who right. came out. I don't remember if they made me take off my shoes right then or if they just kind of like held my arms, I guess, so I wouldn't run. But at that point, I had no idea what was happening. Like, no, not a clue so they would take off your shoes to keep you from running on the like to keep you from running on the gravel yes well I wasn't allowed to have shoes for quite a while I don't remember how long but even after I started being able to leave I still had to go barefooted uh just as a precaution I guess and that was pretty normal Um, for all the girls that were there I guess it was for like the people who were run risk because not everybody did but some of I guess the more rough and tough ones were I I don't really know how they judged that maybe just from like what our parents or guardians told them right which my aunt was probably like she's gonna be pissed so that's a real possibility but we go into this trailer um and they let me know that my skirt is too short so I need something else to change into I was like I'm sorry what what's happening like I've never seen you I had a belly button ring I think my sister had done and I had to take that out and they had me change, but there wasn't a place like there wasn't like a private place, I guess, to change. So I had to just change there. Like Brother McNamara wasn't in the room. Bill McNamara wasn't in the room, uh, but his wife and I think 
one of the people who one of the like dorm leaders was there uh-huh. and maybe a girl but I I don't remember and then my aunt and then they sat me down and they were like hey you're gonna be here for a year um you're gonna follow our rules you're gonna do what we tell you and then my aunt left <laughs> there was one time where Mrs. McNamara came out and she told me that I was getting too pale so she had me go outside and tan they had a pool there and it was like one door went to the house and the other one I think it was blocked like the gate part of it was blocked so she had me go outside to tan I'm not a good tanner I burn I've always been Mm fair-skinned I'm Polish it just it's always I burn really bad too (laughs) (laughs) I was just Uh, in Florida and I came back with like half my head just burned right off so right (laughs) Um, but she let me know that my skin was too pale. I looked gothic and I needed to tan. Um, so I went outside and I burned and Mm. then somehow I did that on purpose. So I was in trouble for that. And whenever you're in trouble, uh, you have to, we had bunk beds and you had to stand at the end of it with your nose touching it and your hands behind your back, like clasped behind your back. Um, and I think we got, we got sit down breaks, but it was ridiculous. I honestly, I don't remember exactly how long we had them and how long in between. Right. And, oh, and we could use our sit down breaks to go to the bathroom. I mean, it was just, it was wicked weird. Did you feel like most of the girls that were there were in similar situations as you? Did you feel like there were some girls that were you know, what was kind of the makeup of the people that were attending and and how many girls were there with you? For the first couple of months, I was on silence because I got in trouble a lot because I was kind of like, fuck this. And you're not allowed to talk to anyone, not even like you have to look, look down at the ground, not even make eye contact. There is, I think it was between like six and nine on Fridays that we could talk to each other if you're not on discipline. Like on Sundays, we could talk to the people who were in the church. It seemed like a lot of the girls were there for stupid stuff. I heard someone say, like, for watching TV on one of the, I don't remember if it was this podcast or maybe it was a different one. But I mean, stupid stuff like that, like listening to the devil's music, like ACDC, watching TV. I mean, some of them did. Some of them were coming off drugs and stuff. Even then, Whenever I very first went in, I was on quite a few different medicines because they were trying to figure out like what would work for me. Mm. And they, cold turkey, took me off of all of them. Wow. Extremely dangerous. Yeah. I mean, these these people had no idea how to deal with. Right. Well, I was going to ask that, and I'm pretty sure the answer is self-explanatory, but I'm, I'm sure nobody that was working there was certified in any of that to make oh, decisions no. like that. Yeah. Like, even in order to go to the doctor, there was one girl there. I won't, I guess I won't say her name, um, but she started getting bruises, um, like, just on her legs and stuff, and she kept telling them, like, hey, this isn't right. Like, I wake up with more and more bruises, and they just ignored it and ignored it and ignored her, and then she ended up going home. Come to find out, she had cancer. Wow. And that was what all of those bruises were from. Wow. So you were there for for how long? From 16 to 18, um, basically? 
Yeah, I was there until I was 19, 19, I think. Obviously, 18, you're a legal adult. So what kept you there that extra year? I was deathly afraid that I would get out and start drinking and start smoking and live in sin and not be accepted by God, to be perfectly honest. So you did. And now I drink and smoke. <laughs> so you, so you did. Even though it was a not a pleasant experience, you did begin to buy into the doctrine that was being taught. Because prior to this, you had no religious background whatsoever, oh, yes, let alone very much so. This, I this mean, movement. we were required to like stand and read scripture for like hours out loud all together. I mean, they beat that shit into us. We had chapel every night. We had church two times on Sunday and Wednesday. We went to every revival that was ever there. During the summertime, we went to different churches and sang and essentially asked them to give us money and told your testimonies. And sometimes during chapel, Brother McNamara would come in and he would say, oh, it smells like sin in here. And he would talk about girls masturbating and how it's going to send them oh, to hell. Wow. And there was one girl that he would, he like called her out. Like you can't, you can't say that you can smell that just by walking in a door when yeah. there's an entire, when there's a group of like 30 to 50 girls. That's right. ridiculous. There were just some people who he would, I mean, just go after and go after and go after. Right. And like I said, I was desperately afraid that I was going to go to hell and not be loved by God. And all of this stuff. And with my background, all I wanted was to be loved. All I wanted was to be accepted. That was all I wanted. And as long as I followed their rules, I was loved. I mean, it was a very conditional love, but I didn't see that then. So obviously you were scared of and had bought into some of the ideology there, but what was the point at which you you made your exit? Was it just because you got to an age where they, you know, it was outside what they were dealing with or was it more you just said enough is enough like what was kind of the exit from from this community um my grandpa ended up getting sick and needing more help i went okay. home on a visit and by that time i think i was like junior staff or some kind of weird stuff my grandpa was just he just needed more help than what he was getting uh so i called them and i told them that i wasn't coming back and i got a big long spiel about how i was going to fall into sin and all this stuff, and if I messed up, God wasn't going to let me, what was it? If I messed up, I wouldn't be redeemed, something along those lines, but it was my grandpa, and everybody else can fuck off at that point. So at that point, was it pretty much a clean split with both the home and the religious beliefs, or did you have a period after that where you tried to get involved in, like, a similar style of like a church did you keep in touch with anyone from there um, like either students or staff like what was kind of that transition process back to being um I didn't transition I found a church that was very like-minded same exact bullcrap I went to Hiles after my grandpa passed away when Jack Scott was outed for all of his bullcrap, at that point I was working in their uh, RU home. I guess not at Hiles at that point at First Baptist Church. And I was going to classes at Hiles, but I was working at the RU home. Oh, so too. you were attending the college then? Yeah. Okay. I went there for three years. And then after everything came out with Jack Scott, 
I, I just like sat down and kind of watched people. And at that point, I think I already had one foot out the door because Hiles was absolutely ridiculous, but I was just waiting for that shove and Jack Scott was that shove and what he did with those girls. And I was just done with it. Right. So what's been the most helpful thing for you? Like, obviously, this is not a way that anyone should be spending two years of their life, um, especially, you know, someone who really at that time, especially during the time you're there, could have used like legitimate help and compassion and care from people. What's been the recovery process for you now being out of it and seeing it for what it was, uh, what's been most helpful in that kind of journey of recovery, for lack of a better word? I don't know if this is going to be like the right answer. Well, there's no, there's no wrong answer. So, well, (laughs) there, there might be, I became an alcoholic, slept with anything that would sleep with me. I mean, I went way the other way. And after a couple of health concerns, infertility and trying all of the scientific methods that are absolutely terrible and God's going to send me to hell for, I had to have a hysterectomy. And I will be honest, I don't think I really actually recovered until I had the hysterectomy. And like, I had a couple of friends in Boston who were the absolute light of my life and they were pagan. And I started getting into that and it's a lot more of who I am and what I think and what I believe and what I like. I think it was just, I think it was, maybe it was just figuring out a way to like, I mean, finding me, what do I like? What do I want? What do I need? Like really it was being selfish, like being totally fine with God casting me to hell because if he was, then I had these amazing people who were around me, who didn't judge me, who didn't, their love wasn't conditional. It wasn't, oh, well, this is fine. Like in Boston, I had, I moved there for a nanny job because of course your Hiles training is fucking pointless. So I moved up there for a nanny job from around Hiles and family that I worked for. They were so encouraging and so loving. They asked me to move to Boston with them because I didn't really have anything going on in Indiana. So I was like, oh, what the hell? Like after meeting them and their love and encouragement and just their, I just, I think I just got really, really lucky. And I met a couple of really fucking amazing people. And so it's really just been building like healthy relationships. It sounds like. That makes sense. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) No, but I mean, it really does. I mean, you spent basically two years, even though you had other people around, you were essentially isolated for for two years and so to get around literally anybody who is willing to actually be kind is a massive shift in your environment Uh, so that makes a lot of sense um so what i guess i mean i could i mean i could ask a million questions about like and i'm sure you've asked these questions yourself is like how do places like this exist but i guess more so than that, I think it's helpful for people because I'm assuming there's, out of the people listening to these episodes, there's probably going to be some people who are within the movement who have considered sending their kids to a place like this, or there are people who have been sent to places like this. There's really a lot of different people to address, but I'm curious, what would you say if you could say to a parent or someone who would consider sending their 
their kids like a reform school, what would you say to them? What would be your, your message or, cause I'm sure there's some that don't think that they are as bad as they are. So what would you, what would you say to them? I mean, honestly, I, if you want any kind of relationship with your child, don't send them there. If you want your child to have any amount of relationship building, they literally break you down to your core. Right. And then they try to rebuild you, but they don't have any type of knowledge or, I guess, training to right. do that. I mean, exactly like you said, like I needed good relationships. I had not a fucking clue how to build a good relationship. My right. grandpa was my best friend until right. I left. And even that was awkward afterwards. Even my comfortable family relationships, the people that I loved, my grandpa raised me and it was weird. And why was it them. why was it weird after the after the fact? Because I didn't agree with anything. I oh. I mean I didn't know anything other than what they had drilled into my head. Every song that he listened to was bad. Every Bible verse that he read was bad. Right. Uh, so you essentially became better than him to the point where you couldn't. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Where I couldn't even have a conversation with him without getting angry. Right. And it wasn't righteous anger. It was just it was just me trying to be this person that I was told for two, three years that I was supposed to be, but I right. wasn't. I was supposed to be me. And I had no idea who I was. It's just sad. I don't know. I don't even know what to say to some of this because it is like, it's just frankly shocking to me just because, I mean, I guess it should be like there's the way that people are cut off. And again, it's something where I think, especially during those teenage years, like it's not right at any period, but especially during a time where you need that extra guidance and you're trying to figure out your life you're trying to figure out who you are and what you know what you're supposed to be to have to be isolated and to be like essentially abused for two years straight the psychological ramifications can't be good in any case that reminds me i'm sorry right no go ahead no you're completely correct in talking with my aunt for the first time last week (laughs) so i was told whenever i was there that my aunt didn't love me, that she was a worldly person. My aunt was wicked religious, still is. She's like in her 60s and going back to Bible college online and was telling me all this stuff that she's learning about in the Bible. But anyway, I was told that uh, she never paid for anything. And if I ever needed clothes, I would, you know, tell them because I wasn't getting letters back from my aunt either. Oh, which is another thing. Remind me about mail. Um, Okay. We were talking and she was like, yeah, I sent you because I I straight out asked her just because after going through all of this and now being on the other side, I just wanted to know. And she said, we paid everything. She said, we kept you on our insurance until you left there. We sent you skirts. And I was like, well, what kind of skirts did you send? And she actually remembered some of them. And she... (laughs) She um, explained to me the exact skirts that I got that I was told were were bought for me from a couple of the people that worked there. Um, Oh, wow. So all this time, they're telling me, you know, your aunt isn't sending you things. Your aunt isn't paying your bills. We're taking care of you. We are doing all of this stuff for you. And my aunt was doing it. They just 
they just weren't getting the credit for it that they wanted. So then, and I didn't know that because they would check your mail going out and coming in. And if you ever said anything bad or sad, it was the same way with your phone calls. If we ever said anything negative towards the home or, oh, I fucking hate, or, oh, I hate being here, or I don't like this, our letters would be rejected and we would have to rewrite them. And then they would end up getting sent. But I am almost positive because my aunt said that she wrote me like every week, maybe every other week. I did not get that many letters. And my aunt wouldn't have said anything. You know what I mean? Like wouldn't have said anything negative because it was her shebang. Yeah, she she wouldn't have been negative toward the place she sent you. Right. So I'm almost positive that they were keeping her mail from me. Which, again, goes right back to that isolation thing. These are literally the only people that I have any contact with for I don't know how long. And she said that my year visit, you're supposed to get a visit after a year, they wouldn't let them come. They said that I wasn't doing well enough. And because I was so close to 18, they didn't want to risk me just leaving, like running away, because I wouldn't have people watching me. Did you have any other outlets, like as far as like reading material or I mean, what, what was your day-to-day experience? Was it, were you doing work at the, at the school? Were you able to read? Were you able, like, what was your escape, I guess? We did a lot of the work on the property. I know that the tornado hit before I got there, but I know that the girls who were there cleaned up all of that. We maintained everything about that property. We trimmed the hedges. We, Whenever we moved the home to Missouri, they started building a school and we were literally digging trenches for the foundation for that. I mean, we did everything about the upkeep. They had a garden in Missouri and we kept up with that. The girls cooked, the girls cleaned the kitchen stuff. As far as reading, the only thing that we were able to read was our paces like that homeschool curriculum and the Bible. I mean, have you spoken with other people who were at the same place? Have you, have you talked with anyone who was former students or who had the same experiences or? Yeah. Or have you um, not? We have a little Facebook group. Okay. Of us. Is, is the school still there? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, did it, did it change its name? Because there's Um, a, there's a school called Marvelous Grace Girls Academy. Yeah. So okay. they bought the property in Florida. Okay. And then the home in Missouri, I don't believe that New Beginnings Girls Academy is taking kids anymore. I believe that they're now only doing adults. Okay. I live like two hours from there and I don't have the courage to drive there and like see I anything. I don't blame you. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I know that a couple of us kind of keep tabs on the Marvelous Grace one, uh, right. just because that's the buildings that we were in. That's the hell that we lived. And hopefully it's different for them. But to be perfectly honest, I really can't see it being very different. It looks as hyper fundamentalist as the other school that you're describing. Just well, I mean, they the have website, fucking but... maglocks on the doors. Like, right. Right. You don't just take those off. Right. And you don't buy the property unless you're wanting a property like that. You know, there's a right. lot of things that make me question. Like, obviously, I don't know. So that's just conjecture on my part. But it seems, oh, yeah. seems like an easy guess. Right. So, 
So looking at the, the IFP movement as a whole, like obviously this question, I end with everyone, but your experience was so unique. I mean, because you never did have a positive experience within that movement. But looking at it now with a little bit of distance behind you, about you know six years or so of distance, and looking at the IFP as a whole, talking to people who have experienced similar things, would you say that there's any possibility of redemption for the IP movement? Do you think it could be reformed? Do you think that there's a way places like this could exist where it would be a positive thing? Or do you think that just the very nature of the types of places that you were at, you know, lends itself to being abusive? I don't think that there's any, any way that some place like this can exist with that amount of power over young people and their minds and their bodies and I mean just their psyche. I don't think that someone who would want to have that much power over someone else would want it for a good reason. No. If that, that makes, makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. No, I mean yeah, thank you so much for sharing I mean your story. That's I mean like I said, I'm just I'm kind of speechless whenever I hear stories from these places because it really is like it's hard to imagine that they actually exist. And when you hear, you know, the first time I heard a story, I was like, and I want to believe that's just like a one-off weird incident, but it seems like that's a whole subculture of people who've experienced that specific thing that you've described. And so yeah. the sad thing about it is that like with a lot of these episodes, there's people who can listen and say like, oh, I identify with that. Like, that's what I'm going through and I can leave. But the unfortunate part is there's a lot of girls in these homes that are not able to hear podcast episodes like this are not able to have options to make decisions to change their environment. And so I'm hoping that this will at least put some pressure on these organizations to, you know, change or be shut down and will, you know, encourage any parents who would consider something like this to, you know, right. stay far away from doing this. It's, sure. not a, yeah. it's really not an option. Is there anything else you'd like to add in or, or share? Um, before we sign off? Just that there's hope. No matter what happened, because I know that there are girls who've had it worse than me. I'm in a group right. with them. And no, we're not. And what, we're not. And what, would you mind sharing the group in case there's anyone who... Um, I think it's connect? New Beginnings Girls Academy Support on Facebook. I'll put a link in the description in case anyone that shares a similar background can find it. Oh, yeah. But no, just that there's, there is hope. I mean, it's a shitty road, but if you can travel it, it's great. Whenever you get to the other side and you find out that you're a whole person, an entire person, and you have wants and needs and desires and things that you like to do and things that you hate to do and right. food that you like to eat and food that you hate. Um, and I mean, it seems so trivial, but I mean, there is a great feeling whenever you can get on the other side and it's a long road and people say, oh, time heals everything. Um, time doesn't heal shit. It right. just makes it a little bit bear more bearable. But I think that it's important just to remember and to reach out. If there's anybody who wants to reach out, please do. If we have some kind of similar background, I would love to help somebody. Is the best way to connect with you through the group, or is there another way that people could connect with you directly? My Facebook account is Amber Johnson. My email is angel I A N G E L E Y E 
okay. at gmail. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That way people can share, you know, their story with you and find some common ground there. Um, I think that would be really helpful because the sad thing is there's probably a lot of people leave who don't know that there's communities out there and who probably feel like there's no one to talk to. So I think oh, that's yeah. really, I think that's going to be really helpful to people. So, but um, yeah, once again, Amber, thanks so much for, for, for coming on and for sharing. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people that this is going to be helpful for. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.